You're listening to Doing Law Differently. Join me, Lucy Dickens, as I explore how the world's most progressive legal service providers are doing law differently. Welcome back to the Doing Law Differently podcast. I'm your host, Lucy Dickens. Today's guest is Lazar Kerstich, a lawyer at Bondi Junction law firm Hitch Advisory. I came across Hitch when I was looking at the list of finalists in the Lawyers Weekly New Law Firm of the Year Award. I went to their website and the first thing that I saw that stood out to me on their site was a quote from Clarence Darrow and it said, the trouble with law is lawyers. I was intrigued, of course, and interested to learn more about the firm and Lazar kindly joined me in this interview to talk about what doing law differently looks like at Hitch. Now, Hitch Advisory is a full-service corporate and commercial law firm with a focus on business law. They service individuals and small to medium enterprises and Lazar's role within the firm is to help businesses with their startup, transactional and dispute resolution requirements. In the interview, we talk about what makes Hitch Advisory a new law firm. Lazar breaks it down to three things. He says at an internal level, employees are placed first. At a client level, the firm is committed to understanding their business's objectives and goals before they actually get engaged or get started on providing the service. And at a service level, he shares a really interesting technique that the firm adopts when they advise clients that is mind-blowingly simple, but completely transforms the way advice is given and received. And I'd love to see this example pop up in everybody's letters of advice. So stay tuned about midway through the episode, I think, when we touch on that. I really enjoyed having this conversation and I'm sure that you'll enjoy listening to it too. So here's Lazar Kerstich on the Doing Law Differently podcast. Lazar, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Lucy. Pleasure to be here. Thanks for having me. I'm really looking forward to talking to you. We've met about five minutes ago, and you seem really full of energy and excitement. So I can already tell we're going to have a good time on today's episode. Amazing, amazing. Really looking forward to it. So I want to start by congratulating you and your firm on two being finalists in two recent awards. You were a finalist personally in the Lawyers Weekly 30 Under 30 Awards, and then the firm in the New Law Firm of the Year Awards. So it sounds like it's been a good year. It's been a very, very interesting year for uh, for myself personally, yeah, and the firm now as well. More recently, with the um, with, with the new law of the year award nomination. So yeah, it's been great in that respect. For obvious other reasons, it's been pretty you know questionable with COVID and whatnot, and the ups and downs involved with that. But I mean, looking on the bright side of things, it's been it's been quite positive and progressive for us. So yeah, can't really complain. That's good. That's what I like to hear. So as you know, this podcast is all about looking at the behind the scenes of new law firms. So I was particularly keen to dive in and explore more about what's going on in your business that qualified you to become finalists in the new law category. So that seems like a good place to start. And interestingly, when I went to your website, the very first thing I saw on there that stood out to me was the trouble with law is lawyers. And that's a quote that you've got in big font on the homepage. So tell me what's behind this. (laughs) Well, I guess behind that ideology, we strive towards sort of offering something of a different service, something of a disruptor uh, type service to our clients. And I guess it starts from within for us. So I think looking at our internal structures in the way um, our team, in the way we sort of relate with our team members, putting each other first beyond anything and sort of helping each other out where we can. I mean, our, our team itself is basically a team of young, um, incredibly bright um, individuals. I mean, our founders are 
husband and wife, um, Nick and Olivia, that effectively have built this firm up from from the ground up and it is what it is now so it's i guess first and foremost we kind of like to focus on or at least they've liked to focus on us as as the employees within the firm and sort of bringing that culture out and sort of expressing it into the type in the way that we work so it's been um for myself personally i've been here for close to two years now and it's been unlike anything else so how does that manifest itself you said that employees are placed first on an internal kind of level but what does that mean what does that look like so we've got a few a few systems kind of that are that are in place that are sort of embedded within the firm and it's kind of allowing us to uh, allowing the sort of flexibility hours in and this is speaking pre-covid as well and there's been slight sort of changes to that and after covid i guess but before that we kind of had a system where we had complete flexibility in terms of hours so you could you could start earlier finish earlier start later if you needed to finish later if you needed a day specifically to work from home um, and if, if, if you had commitments at home that, you, that needed you there there was that complete flexibility and we also instituted a, a sort of system where at any point assuming of course there was no important meetings or any, any scheduling where once a month you could just work from home at any point so that was kind of brought in about six or so months ago and also probably even more and so we've kind of stuck through to that and he gave flexibility to the people that really didn't or had a commute, for instance, into work. So for for a day when they you know needed to be home a bit earlier or or whatnot, or leaving for the weekend and had a long weekend earlier, so you could really clock off a bit earlier if you started earlier, and then off you go. So kind of emphasising that component, which kind of inbred people to be happier at work and in, in the office. So I mean, speaking personally. There aren't moments when you're waking up in the morning and thinking, oh, God, you know, I've got to go in there again. It, it was, it's not that type of, I guess, attitude and, and that it stems from within. I agree. I think it's a lot about the give and take. And this is the approach I try to take with the staff that I supervise is I don't really care if you need to leave here to go pick your kids up from school or to come in late because you want to. Maybe you just even want to sleep in in the morning because we're all human, right? I think what's more exactly. important is that people are doing the job that they have been employed to do and they're happy doing it. And the when and where is secondary to me and it sounds like that's the similar approach there. Yeah, totally agree. And, and I mean, the great thing about it is that there isn't a concept of, I guess, idea of people taking advantage of that. And, yeah. and that's the great thing. There's, there's a mutual respect from top to bottom and, and vice versa. And when it's time to work, it's time to work and everybody knows that. And there's that mutual understanding. It's an unspoken understanding, so to say. And at other times when it's time to, if we're going out for a team lunch or if there's a team activity, then that's we know it's time to relax in those instances. And so in saying that as well, we've, we've had sort of activities where it's been, you know, we have had a complete day off and we've gone out to assist an organisation that's uh, it's out, based out in Sydney and it's called Oz Harvest. And what they do basically is they promote team activities and you'll have like a cook-off, so to say. Oh, that sounds like fun. It's great, great team building exercise. And at the same time, you're helping, I, I guess, the less fortunate in basically all the food that you do prepare as a team. It goes out to people in need. So it, an amazing initiative that we um, that we partook in just before uh, New Year, actually. So it was, again, fantastic for building the team and all at the same time. It feels great when you, when you are helping out, uh, you know, people that, that probably need it. So, yeah, very rewarding. Yeah, absolutely. One of the questions that often comes up in law firms when we're talking about flexibility and flex, particularly flexible hours of work is the billable hours target. 
So do you still have one? And if yes, how has that come into play with these conversations around when and where and how you work? I think um, to answer you, yes, we've got targets, we've got, and there, and there are billable targets. In that respect, it isn't forced. It isn't the sort of, I mean, from prior experience, um, there's been a few approaches that I've sort of experienced with law firms that have had it and were working in national and state-based firms. Um, it's It's been, I, I guess it's not as strictly followed. It's more of a indicator rather than that sort of strict you KPI must. or... Mm. Yeah, I think it just allows management to track progress as opposed to, I guess, discipline and base everything on that. So I guess employees' values um, are not just based on, you know, their billable hours that are, that are coming in every week, every day or every month. So it's there, it's followed, it's tracked, but it isn't the sole and it's not the main indicator of, I guess, key performance of, of each employee. So it's, I, and I think it, there's got to be a balance. And personally, I think there's got to be some form of tracking of how we're going. Otherwise, I think you expose yourself to a risk that, you know, may potentially lead you down a path where viability and, and those type of things may be impossible to track later on if you're not sort of following that process. And completely aware that there are different ways of doing it. And other times, it's probably not the appropriate way of doing it. We've got a system where sometimes we'll incorporate fixed price scopes and other times when it's um, sort of at hourly rates and when it's at a fixed price scope you don't have the ability to sort of track it with those hourly rates so it's a give and take again where basically there's going to be and there is an institution of I guess consideration given to those sort of variables and it works. Yeah, I don't think there is a perfect solution to measuring and managing people's performance because it does change. It changes as their experience changes, as their job role changes, as the type of work that they do. And in my experience, the way I review and reward staff, it it varies. And I change my approach over the years, depending on kind of what the business's focus is. So I don't think there is a perfect solution. Completely agree. Completely agree. Coming back to the new law topic, what are some of the other things that you would say make your firm a new law firm? I guess one thing that we really strive towards, and whether it's sort of fitting the unofficial criteria of, of, you know, I guess, new law in inverted commas, we really strive towards, I guess, understanding what our clients, the businesses, what they're after. And that really involves us getting in, really involved in, in, in what they're doing. And that's not in the operation side of things, obviously, but just really understanding what they are after. And what that involves is us really going into and asking questions, technical questions about the type of business, uh, I guess, operations that are involved so we can better understand the service that needs to be provided. And I was listening to actually one, one of the episodes from one of your earlier podcasts, and I forget the name of the participant, but in that instance, it was, I couldn't have agreed more in that instance where it was, you really have to, I guess, immerse yourself in your client's business to actually speak to them about and recommend, make recommendations as to what they require. So they may come to you with, with that idea of, for instance, we need this, but maybe that's something that they don't need. And that's where I guess fully understanding the business and the business model and the operation side of things, I guess, helps us to whether it needs to be, whether their idea needs to be supported or whether we sort of bring their attention to other potential areas where they haven't considered or explored. So for us, and we work with a sort of very wide array of clients in various industries, whether it's in franchising, in retail, in private equity firms. So those type of things where 
their objectives are completely different in each sense. So that's and a lot of our sort of time spent at the start fully understanding it so we can actually then deliver the right service and the right result that they're after at the end. So, and that, I guess that has helped us maintain the relationships and a lot of other clients and the way the firm has grown over the last at least couple of years was maintaining that service, that level of service, and then the clients actually liking it and definitely appreciating and then referring on, on referring our services to to other clients and whatnot. So it's, it's something that's definitely worked for us. And I think um, by spending that time, it's probably not the traditional way of doing things. I think a lot of firms traditionally, what they've done is they've, I guess, gone straight into offering the service and what's been requested of them, whereas yeah. we've kind of taken an approach, okay, sure, we appreciate that's what's expected. How about this, perhaps? And I guess it's asking that question and it's, it, you can never offend anyone by asking a simple question, I think, and they, they can probably only appreciate it. Yeah, to me, it's about the care factor. That's what I'm hearing from you is that you actually care about your clients and what it is that they're trying to achieve, not just what they're asking you for. And there's a bit of a running joke in our firm at the moment where I'm developing a lot of marketing materials and we're, our clients are individuals as opposed to businesses. But I keep talking in these about how you're going to feel. So I'm saying you'll leave here and you'll you'll feel you know, satisfied or you'll feel relaxed because your affairs are in order or whatever I'm saying. And there's this bit of a joke about I'm all about this kind of feelings thing. But I think that's often what's missing from a lot of law firms and the way a lot of lawyers conduct themselves. It's a care factor. We're dealing with people. And as soon as they recognise that, hey, Lazar cares about my business and he's actually interested in the bigger picture, it, it changes the relationship. Absolutely. And I, and I think these days, and I'm, uh, you know, when you've got the different type of technologies that enable you to sort of, whether it's a, it's, it's a positive or a negative at times, I guess, give and take, it enables you to actually remain in touch with your clients at all times via different and whether they're on the other side of the world or here, it's that flexibility, I guess, as well, that adds to that care factor, I think. And so, you know, whether it's taking a call with, with you know, somebody in the UK or the United States, that ungodly hours it's that aspect of it that they definitely appreciate as well i think so it's a huge huge part i think that care aspect and i think you've you've, you've sort of hit the nail on the head on that absolutely have you got your hands on my new ebook it's filled with 80 short sharp and practical tips to help you firm your foundations sort your strategy and optimize your operations so that you can modernize your law firm Get your copy at lucydickens.com.au forward slash ebook. To add to that then, there's a lot on your website and in our conversation we've had before about simplicity and delivering your services in a simple, or I think your, your website talks about being straightforward. What does that look like to you? I'll give you a practical example. Yes. We try and stay away from your sort of standard or traditional I'm using that word a lot today. It's the sort of traditional letters of advice where chunks of paragraphs, one after the other, and coming to a resolution in the end where it could be this, it could be that. Yep. We're not really we sure. We don't really know. Um, <laughs> yeah. So our ultimate goal is to be completely transparent and open. And if we're sort of sticking to an opinion, we stand by it. So that's kind of step number one. But in sort of eliciting that, or reaching that outcome, we try and simplify it to the point where whether it's, if it needs to be, if, if the client is sort of more tech savvier, I guess, um, we can certainly provide that in an email. We'll provide it sort of like a table for them, um, table of comments. So on the left side, for instance, left column, we'll have 
um, you know, the, the contents of a particular clause, for instance, um, the next column would be our brief comment and the next column would be our recommendation, our, our really brief recommendation. And yeah. sometimes we'll employ like a traffic light system. So if it's a really, really important thing that they need to provide us instructions on, we'll highlight it in red. If it's something that, you know, it's it's important but not necessarily crucial, it'll be a yellow or an orange. And if it's a nice to have, if it's something that's really not that crucial, they should know about it. It'll be a nice green. So we try and really simplify it for them in that sense so as to visually make it, I guess, appealing and at the same time just simplify it so they their end of, I guess, work is going to be minimal or they'll either agree, okay, disagree or whatever the case, or, or just acknowledge it. And from our end, that's effectively... I guess it ticks that box and then it opens up, you know, whether we need to take a call and discuss any of the headline points to simplify the matters. And so, and it's worked quite well for us. The the feedback that we've gotten from from those matters has been quite positive. So it's been, it's been great. I love the traffic light idea. That's how my property manager prepares my property reports for the uh, rental properties each month. And I just literally just, I don't read it. I just skim down and see if there's anything that's red. And I know I need to look at those points because I'm not interested in the rest. And I'm not trying to say your clients aren't interested in your advice, but you've no. got you've hit the nail on the head. There are some things that are more important than others. And when there's a lot of information for you to be able to really easily and quickly say, this is the stuff that you need to give your attention to, and order it in importance with colours. It's amazing. Yeah, yeah. When I first saw it, I'm like, I, I, I wish that, you know, I, I'd found about this earlier. And it's it's a lot easier, I, I think, from our end as well, because rather than sort of following through and, you know, issuing a 10 or 15 page advice, it simplifies our work as well. And it, we really stick to the main points. Obviously, there are certain points you cannot omit at all. I mean, you they must be included. And yeah. I and I guess that ticks the box from, from a compliance perspective from our end that we certainly need to bring to their attention. But at the same time, it's striking that balance between complying with our duties, of course, and then on the other hand, providing that simplicity. And I think those two can marry up. And I probably wouldn't say it's a perfect system, but I, you know, it probably isn't one, but it works well. And what do you use to create these traffic light letters? Is it Word? Simple as word, absolutely. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So we've got templates in place. So yeah. sometimes if it's a bigger client and they've got uh, sort of a number of files with us, for instance, we'll use um, either an Excel um, type and it's it's a larger document and we'll, we'll give them a nice summary of each matter they've got with us. And again, at the same time, whether there's any action required, if it's a particular, I guess, contract that we're reviewing for them, it'll be in a Word document or even, if, again, if they're, if they're more sort of interactive and, and tech savvy, we'll just pop it into an email for them mm-hmm. and just mm-hmm. prepare a table um, and just incorporate the same same sort of traffic light system for them there. So it's been great. It's really cool. I think we can so easily underestimate how much of an impact these type of visual design changes can have to our clients. I recently changed, or COVID times, I rewrote one of our letters, which was a, probably about a five-page letter template that had existed forever. Like it probably went back 30 years or so. The text had been modernised, but the actual content was still this dreary old letter. And I changed it into a one-page infographic that's just the process that this service is going to follow. And all of a sudden, no one's calling us to ask us the same old questions every time. The clients are saying how much they love our documents, and it's completely changed this service. And it's just a letter. There's nothing fancy. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, the way information is displayed, and it's a game-changer. And I think to use, I guess, the the sort of modern user-friendly component where I guess everybody, I think us and clients, they want something that it's it's in a world where I guess where 
plugged in 24 seven, you know, we've got our phones, we've got our, you know, our watches, everything is sort of just gone where we're constantly linked up to the web, whatever the case may be. It's something that we're running out of time. I think there's less and less hours in a day for us. And so where we can save on, on certain things, where we can save some of that time, I think it's it's invaluable. It's probably priceless for us and priceless for us and for our clients as well. So yeah, if it's got the capacity to save us that, it's I think it's it's a no-brainer. Absolutely. Now, I don't want to leave this interview without talking about you personally, because as I mentioned <laughs> at the beginning, you were a finalist in the Lawyers Weekly 30 Under 30 Award. So tell us about you and what have you been doing that led led to that award? I've got no idea, Lucy. I don't believe you. <laughs> Brag, now's your time. Uh, <laughs> no, it's been my background has been so the, the award in itself was limited to the uh, to the commercial commercial category, and I've been working in commercial since I've started with Hitch. My background has um, has normally been in litigation, common law litigation. So it's something that's been relatively still new for me, and to I guess receive that recognition so early on in, in my sort of commercial career, it's been pretty pretty flattering so it's it's been amazing for me um to sort of to even be nominated amongst the other finalists who who obviously all all thoroughly deserve it it's been really really fascinating it's been a great journey for me over the last sort of year and a half um just sort of coming into this with absolutely zero knowledge as you know in in practice at the very least zero knowledge in this area of law and it's been you know it's just picking up certain things and putting your head down and and just working really really hard and and just really get the work done and I guess just applying that approach over the year and a half has sort of got me got me here or got me where I am so there's no not nothing specifically that's been done I think it's just I think a a result of just putting your head down and working really really hard and, and getting getting the work done which is kind of just my my approach to life in general. It's just get it done. And, and if anything needs to be discussed and talked about, you can get it done later. Uh, just prioritise and, and get it all done. Good on you. Well done. Thank you. Thank you. Before you joined Hitch, were you at more traditional firms? I was, yeah, yeah. I was. So, yeah, the background has been in litigation, as I mentioned, and the the firm just before was uh, just New South Wales based. Um, mm-hmm. It was a relatively large firm, 100 plus employees. And yeah. the firm before that was a national firm of about 600 odd. So had kind of, I guess, been scaled, have tried the sort of national size state and now boutique, which is um, great, been amazing. So now working for a boutique modern new law firm, how does that feel in terms of your career progression and your personal development I guess within the law because you've said right from the beginning it's been a big couple of years and there's been a lot of learning and progress and then you were a finalist in the award so to what extent does that relate to where you work now I'm not trying to take the credit away from you truly deserve the credit but I'm just interested in exploring how the firm has helped with your career progression. To be honest when I sort of took the and I always think of it as a sideways step, sort of changing the yeah. the area of law, of I guess the main area of practice. It was a massive risk on on my end, I think, and also on on the end of Hitch as well, because they took on someone that I absolutely had no experience in it whatsoever. But I guess the the feeling was mutual in that end. So it was a good vibe about it. It was, it was a good feeling, and it was, I guess, I mean, from that end. Going from somewhere that was very, very traditional, paper-driven, and nothing against that, that, that absolutely works, to somewhere where we've, we're completely paperless from just from that sort of physical side of things, remote, ready, pre even pre-COVID. So I guess those new law foundations, um, it was a pretty big shock to the system, to be honest. It wasn't something that I was used to at all. It was my first sort of step into that that world. But 
I think from the first couple of weeks of actually going out, I, it felt right. It felt like it was the right, the right move for me. So it's been massive. It's been great to have the support to be tutored by uh, Nick and Olivia, the, the founders, you know, throughout the entire process. And they've kind of made it easy for me to, I guess, glide through, you know, th- this area and, and sort of master a few, at least a few aspects of it also. Still learning, obviously. I think you might be underselling yourself a bit because you might not have had experience <laughs> in that practice area, but you have all sorts of other transferable skills that you brought with you. So yeah, I think you might be selling yourself a bit short, but I, I get what you're trying to say. <laughs> yeah, it's it's been absolutely great though. I mean, in that respect, there's no looking back. It's definitely the area that I that I see myself working in and um, and staying in, no doubt. Yeah, wonderful. Okay, so the question I like to finish up with all of my guests is what advice would you give to somebody who wants to do law differently? Oh, that's a good one. <laughs> um, Implement traffic light systems in your letters of advice. Should I just go for you? <laughs> that's number one. That is number one. Absolutely. I think um, I tend to follow a life mantra of sorts to just do what feels right. And if something feels makes you feel like it's you know it's not generally or traditionally accepted, but it feels right, it feels good to you, then I think you should follow that, whether it's a gut feel or whether it's you know a belief system or whatever it may be. Um, I think it's something that you should definitely follow. And so whether it disrupts the market or whether it effectively is the same thing that's already out there, but it still feels right for you, I think it's it's definitely something that I think you should follow. It might be a bit cliche, sure, but it's definitely something that I think you, you cannot go wrong. I don't think there's a wrong decision if you do something like that. And if particularly if, if it results in you doing something, you know, if it ticks the box of doing something differently and it benefits you, then it's it's been the right choice, surely. Sounds like some good advice. I like it. Thank you. <laughs> Perfect. Thank you so much for joining me. I've really enjoyed our chat today. Absolute pleasure. Thank you, Lucy. Thanks again for tuning in to Doing Law Differently. If you enjoyed the episode, I'd love you to leave me a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. It really helps other people find out about the show and I love hearing what you think. Otherwise, if you're not on Apple Podcasts, send me a message and let me know. You can find all the past episodes at doinglawdifferently.com.au.